You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to Thursday Fans. I'm Alex Chester. With me, as always, is Wheels Wienerker. Wheels, how's it rolling? It's rolling great. Mets are 7-1. Just got to hang out with you a couple times in a week. Yeah, you are not You're not yeah. a, a goer of places. True. In, in fact, you're not even a, a lever of your house at all. So. True, but I am an eater of food, so like, you can, people can get me to go places by promising lunch or dinner. Yeah. <laughs> did i get lunch when we saw each other yesterday i th- uh or breakfast i don't know we, we you got the, something uh, didn't you uh, no i got nothing uh Akiva was so focused on his food he didn't even oh, notice you know, first of all focused i was paying for it but but <laughs> well no uh, we were we were paying for it to be fair but time out i i don't get any credit because i i you don't I, get any credit because i didn't get any food time out all right so we went out to with a couple uh listeners um and us went out we had gone out um uh, like 10 days ago, just the two of us. But we went out to more of a brunch type thing with four people. At least to, we, I thought it would be four people, but then your whole family was in the, the area. So you brought your oldest son to lunch, and then he was bored. And then a, a lot happened. Okay, so first of all, Chester tells the most inappropriate story I've ever heard. Like, you cannot – it was like a crowd – it wasn't such a crowded restaurant, but, like, there's people above you in the restaurant on, like, another level, and he's yelling the word – But it was a great threesome. story. It was It was a great story. I, I won – all right, so here's a couple problems. You don't have any control of your voice. Like, you should have been whispering it. It made everyone else uncomfortable that, like, we were well, about to get yelled That was the main at. reason I was telling the story. Yeah, and then – and like, also, you don't know your crowd because at least one of those guys did not want to hear that story at all. <laughs> Again, why I told it? But uh, no, it was. It are, was. Are you, kind of, are you referring to the rabbi? There was no. There was no <laughs> rabbi at our at our table. Oh, you didn't know my co-owner's a rabbi? Oh, I had no idea. Oh, that makes your story even worse. I can't believe. <laughs> no, you. that's what, that was the whole purpose. His virgin ears have now heard that. Oh my! He'll never. It be was the shock and awe. Shock and uh, awe. I didn't realize that. No, that was. Uh, you can't tell that story on the podcast, but maybe if we ever see if we had like a Patreon, I feel like that would be like the twenty five dollar a month we, level. We do have an explicit work. content warning, but that's true. Maybe maybe we'll tell it in the Facebook group. But um, so you not. tell that story, and, and we also ordered Chester and I, I like ordered the exact same thing. And you know how against that how against that I am. 
Yeah, but we weren't going to share. Yeah. Like, I, I but, eat all my food and then I look weasel. around. You're such a weasel. If I had known you had ordered the same thing as me, I would have changed my order on the spot. What do you think? You were going to share some... my my salmon pad thai or whatever I, I am? Like... Have we have we never discussed? You know how vehemently I'm against people at the table ordering the same thing. Yeah, but I'm not like, I'm going to eat all my food and then I'm going to eat everyone else's leftovers. It's, That's no, how I it's roll. Not a, it's, not, it's not that I'm eating your food. It's that I don't. Anyways, the point is that if, if you had not whispered secretly your order to the waiter, I would have canceled my order on the spot. I mean, you were dealing with your son. So then we, we ordered the same thing. 15 minutes later, the guy comes back and is like, oh, yeah, we don't have it. So now and we I have to reorder. I thought he was talking to me, and then I found out he's talking to both of us. So it was a blessing in disguise. Because if, if they had ordered two of the same thing at the menu, at the table, I would have walked out. You would have walked out if we both got our food, you're saying. So it was good that they, did, they didn't have our food. I would have taken your food and thrown it at you, and then there would have been What if they only had one, and like they just gave me, and then, and then that, it's like a that's double That's fine. I, I would rather take my second okay. choice than have my first choice. So now you're, you're telling these inappropriate stories, so your son is, is getting like really antsy. So I give him my phone because I'm like, uh, you know, I I'm basically his uncle I, now. I, I, he, he didn't know it was fine. I know. Obviously, he wasn't going to understand the story, but he also yeah. like didn't want to be there. So I like I'm pretty. I, I happen to hate kids, but um, like I was actually really good. I do think I'm his uncle essentially now, um, and so he, he also like I, I, you have to you have to get your kids more into sports. Like I said, what kind of I wanted to show him like sports videos on my phone. He's I'm like, what do you like? Or thing he he'd want like uh, PJ Masks or Paw Patrol. He's like, I like planets. Yeah, he's very into planets. I mean, he's gonna get bullied. Like, you better watch <laughs> out. <laughs> like when he's four, planets aren't cool until you're like, unless you like go to no, a planet planets or are, something. Planets are the same thing as dinosaurs in that if you have like a chart showing like your knowledge of those topics over mm-hmm. time of your life, there's yeah. like a a sharp incline that sort of peaks at around age six or seven. Yeah, and then uh, and then a very sh- and then like a very sharp decline after. Like I know significantly less about dinosaurs or planets. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Four year olds. Just about any seven year old on Earth. No question. Yeah. So that's for fair. sure. Yeah, but he's, you got to yeah. wean him off the the planets and the. Yeah, there's actually there's there's a dwarf planet named Eras. He told me, actually. Oh, so he really is all in on the planet. I fact checked it. it, it it's it's spelled differently, but it is correct. That's so he it's must E-R-I-S. go on some real YouTube binges of, of planet <laughs> stuff. So, so then we don't get our food. Then I um I get my food, but I end up giving I think. Oh, no, two, no, no, hold like, on. So we we change our orders. And, yeah. and my my new order never arrives. Never, never comes. comes. Never we comes. We're there for like another hour. Never comes. <laughs> I get the wrong thing. Now three generations all... of Chester's come to the table. Yes. Yeah. Jerry Chester comes. Fern comes. Uh, uh, my arch enemy Jennifer comes to the table, uh, who is not interested in anything I have to say. Looks at me with such a scowl. <laughs> Every I try and tell her that how like appreciative she should be. That she is a husband who's like so good with the kids and like if I was going with my friends I wouldn't have like taken some of the kids and I would have made her walk around with all all of mine and and like that you're so helpful and she's like you're just making yourself look bad like you're just you think you're bragging about how bad you are but really you're ma- like no I'm trying to like compliment your husband she can't even hear something good about you she's only only has hate in her heart and um and so so your food never comes I get the wrong thing now me and you are in the same boat here. We don't. We're not send back. I oh, I very no clearly way. ordered a, like a pizza with like lots of fancy things on it. They brought me the most boring plain First of pizza. All, okay, a, a, a couple a couple of things here. You have to be criticized. You had a, you did a very bad job. The, the waiter comes back and remember he's talking in a second language to us. The waiter comes back and tells us that that the thing that we both ordered apparently is not available. Mm. You he offers to bring back the menu, which I take to look at. You without looking at the menu say, oh no, I just want one of the pizzas. Which one is it exactly? Oh, it was the one I think it had artichoke or something like that. And he's like, okay, yeah, that one. That's what you said. You made but reference you, to see, one of the I pizzas could, that I could reorder without a menu 
because yeah, I point, like had a second place and a third place and a fourth place for what I wanted. But to you order. didn't. But you vaguely said one of the pizzas that had artichoke. I said the name of it too. No, you didn't say the name because you didn't know what it was. Anyway, I got the wrong thing. It ruined my whole yeah. meal. I I literally had to come home and eat. I gave your sons my pizza, um, uh, like the hero I am. Uh, and then you never got food. You end up leaving. Your wife ends up just totally like sneering at me twenty more times. Yeah, and then I never got food ever. Like I, I, the one thing I really wanted is I really wanted to get a quality Israel, you know, falafel, mm-hmm. and I never got to get it because then we didn't have time because of this whole delay at the at the at the restaurant. We went to the old city. We never had time for my falafel, so that was a, a big loss on my part. Good and then you'd you think I could food. get one at the airport, but yeah, now there's no good quick. falafel at the airport. I know, but it's still better than nothing, and I didn't even get that. So uh, yeah, big loss. Um, and you and did you did you get any sleep on the plane home with three children? Yeah, the flight back was actually very good. Okay. We left at eight. We left at like eight p.m. We arrived. At, we 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 got back home at three a.m. this morning. So you know. And you went but, straight but to work. Th- you like slept for three hours and went to work. One would think I slept for three hours instead of my charts, but yeah. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Yeah. So let's let's. W- this is sort of a, a chart type of episode. So let's get into it. It's funny, yeah. So what you wanted to do with this episode is the kind of thing that I've proposed in the past and you've completely dismissed. Nobody wants to hear about random athletes that only you know about because of your charts is the kind of thing I, you would say to me. Right, but I think I think we're only doing 10. We're not doing 100. And I think people will be interested in hearing about – this will be like a history episode. It, this is like uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History but for sports fans. Yeah. And it's 10 sort of forgotten athletes who people, have, people don't remember but they were once great and they flamed out and we'll explain – you know well, how great t- they tell were. Me, tell me about the email you sent me last week that started this. Oh, I don't know. I just said. Oh, okay. The John so, Jefferson email. Okay, fine. You, so you sent that to me completely out of nowhere. A non Yeah. So Aaron Schatz posted, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll, how about this? So just to, to, we're each going to give. I don't. I don't know if you followed my rules, but we're. These are going to be ten athletes. We're each going to do five. I'm going to do one from baseball, football, basketball, and hockey, and then one from other. And well, I don't well, know if you're. Gonna... Let, let, let's step back a second. So you sent me an email six days ago. Yeah. Uh, you, Subject line: John Jefferson, complete mm-hmm. non sequitur. And your your the body of your email is fascinating career. One of the best first three seasons, three one of the best first three season players in NFL history. Question mark have a chart? Question mark with a link to his Pro Football Reference page. Yes. So I responded to you. So I have these charts, which I may have mentioned. I am sure I've mentioned in the podcast in passing, which I sort of update from year to year. I had one called like the Joe Maurer Project, and one the Mike Trout Project, and one the Antonio Brown Project. Did well, so you Peterson name Project. all these charts? Yeah, the name of the chart is the player I'm talking What I do is each season at the end of the season for, mm-hmm. for various players who are earlier in their career but show potential to be sort of all-time greats at their position based on, you know, the first couple of years of their career is I look, you know, you can't say where does Antonio Brown line up among all receivers or where does Clayton Kershaw line up among all-time pitchers when they've only played a couple of seasons. So instead I say through that age. So every year I update the chart. So through age 25. It's always age, not where- how many seasons they've played. I've gone back and forth on it, and age makes more sense because if you're projecting where a guy's going to end up in his career, what's more relevant is age. Right? I think I, th- I I kind of disagree because I think especially with running backs uh, in particular, uh, I think like how much miles you have is probably more relevant to how many seasons you've been in the league. But I, I hear yeah, well, the dilemma. I, mean, I would probably yeah. go with how many seasons you've played. Yeah, well, it, it makes more sense to do the age, especially like Mike Trout. So I'm going to, you know, whatever. Anyways, um, you know, what? I would probably but, do uh, ba- baseball age and football seasons. Yeah, anyway. Um, so, yeah, so I have these charts which I update every year for sort of active stars. I think I even did one for David Wright at one point among third basemen. But, uh, you know, he sort of petered out, obviously. 
Okay, so yeah, so uh, Aaron Schatz uh, from Football Outsiders wrote, you know, but how, you know, said, oh, this guy had a fascinating career. And I did a deep dive into John Jefferson. So just like, I'll talk about John Jefferson now, but also he is my football guy. Like, I'm not doing research on two different people. So yeah. we'll start. And these aren't in order. These are just, this is not like 10 through 1 or 1 through 10. These are just like, you know, one per sport for me. And you probably did five baseball or five football or something. I have no idea. But so John Jefferson uh, gets picked 14th. In the NFL draft, in the first round by the Chargers, their highest, uh, f- their highest uh, f- wide receiver pick ever until they picked the bust Mike Williams last year, as opposed to like the five other Mike Williams busts from the last uh, two decades. So in John Jefferson's first year in the league, he go in only fourteen games. He goes for fifty six for over a thousand yards and thirteen touchdowns. He has five separate multi touchdown games in nineteen seventy eight. So he goes absolutely bananas. Year two, sixty one for ten ninety and ten touchdowns. And then year three, he finally plays 16 games, and he goes 82 for a league-high 1,340 yards and has a league-high 13 touchdown catches. So he, he has gone— and you, have, about- and you have to point out that this offense, the Eric Coriel offense with him and Dan Fouts, I mean, they're like revolutionizing the game in those right. I, right. I mean, obviously, the type of person who's listening to this and paying attention knows, like, these are late 70s, early 80s stats, like pre-Marino. These are cartoon numbers that nobody else was doing. He, he would have been probably, without, without looking at it, uh, you know, after the second time he did this, probably like the third pick in a fantasy draft or something for the next year. Uh, just absolutely ridiculous numbers. Um, the Yeah. Him and Kellen Winslow and Charlie well, Joyners. So ju- just to put this in context of how good he was, I went ahead and made a – and I did the first three seasons of career versus instead of age to give uh, Jefferson the advantage because he was a little bit older when he started – and I ranked him the fifth best wide receiver in NFL history through the first three seasons of his career, behind Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Odo Beckham Jr., and Bob Hayes. So three Hall of Famers and one, you know, who the Patriots are going to trade two first picks for, and then he'll be a Super Hall of Famer. I mean, that's so, crazy. So he, that's crazy. He's on a great trajectory. I mean, this is a guy who nobody's ever heard of, right? And Charlie Joyner is also a sort of a forgotten player, and he's at the end of his career, but he also has over 1,100 yards. They have three guys that year with over 1,130 yards and a combined 26 touchdowns. They didn't have much of a running game. They really they were called called, called uh, Air Cordell, right? They really didn't run the ball much. They passed. Um, so now Jefferson holds out because he's become a superstar and he's still making, you know, rookie money. He holds out in the summer of 1981, and eventually the Chargers decide to trade him. And what they trade him for is is an unbelievable haul. They get a first round pick in the next three years. They get a first round pick. A in the other two years, they get to flip their first-round pick with the Packers, who at that point were like going 5-11, and 6-10 and 10 a lot. So in theory, you could be flipping the 20th pick for the 10th pick. Uh, and then they get two second-round picks. So that's a first, two seconds, two flips, and like a decent receiver to replace Jefferson. And Jefferson's now going to, to play with James Lofton, who the listeners who are our age will probably remember more as, as sort of the number two with... Uh, with uh, what's his name? With Andre Reid at the at the end of his career with the Bills. Um, so so after three years of a thousand yards, ten touchdowns, as you could guess based on the premise of the podcast, John Jefferson com- completely falls off the map. His first year with the Packers, uh, he has only thirty nine catches and four touchdowns. His second year with the Packers, he does not score a touchdown. Only has twenty seven catches. He has one more okay year. With 57 catches, seven touchdowns, but then never scores again, and it's completely he's, he switches to the Browns 
uh, in 85, and before he turns 30, is completely out of the league, despite, as you said, being one of the five best receivers ever through the first three seasons of his career. Yeah, he- so as I said, through three years, fifth on my uh, chart. Would you like to guess where he appears on my chart uh, all time for his entire career as an NFL wide receiver? Well, his total numbers, he, he only has 47 touchdowns, and which is okay, and he only has 350 catches, which is garbage, um, 5,700 yards. So I'm going to guess 197. Yeah, he's not even in the top 125, which is where the chart ends. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he prob- that probably around right. He's probably yeah, all so, time. Yeah, so that's like why this is a really good example of 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 what, of what the way I interpreted this podcast, which is I went ahead and searched basically through age 25 careers of players, and then I looked for guys who through age 25 was really good and then sort of disappeared. By the way, on that receiver chart I sent you, there's a lot of other guys who, uh, like Jefferson, who started out really hot and then disappeared. Dave Parks. On the, yeah. on the 49ers in the 60s, Otis Taylor on the Chiefs in the 60s, Percy Harvin on the Vikings, who, you know, was really good. And, uh, you know, his career's done. Uh, so, but not was as Percy ma- Harvin in the league this past year? No, he, you know, he washed out of Buffalo, and I think he's done now. Uh, so, Jefferson, a lot of these guys you think, like, would just fade away. But John Jefferson actually, like, becomes an assistant coach, works his way up, like, really high into the Redskins organization, and becomes their, uh, like, uh, you know, one of their, like, player personnel guys. And then, uh, at this point, now he's 62 and he's, he's out of football, but actually did stay around in football for a while. It doesn't seem like it was an injury that derailed him. I think maybe, maybe ultimately he was just a system player and that anybody who played with Fouts in that offense was going to be great. Um, but, uh, yeah, John Jefferson is my football guy. Do you want to do you're, I'm, we're going to do one, 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 right? I'm not going to do five and then you're going to do five. Uh, okay. So I'll, I'll tell you who I have for a football guy. So again, the way I did this is I basically looked up guys who, uh, through age 25 were, were sort of superstars and then fell off the cliff. And actually I, I, I only have one in baseball and in, in basketball, but I had three in football. So the first one I have is Larry Eisenhower. Hmm. A lot of people say Larry who? Eisenhower. So Larry Eisenhower was uh, the he's my number 62 all time defensive end. So, you know, a solid career. But but the key point here is he was the best defensive player in the AFL from 1962 to 1964, which is ages 22 to 24. During that three year span, he led all AFL defensive players in approximate value, which is the football version of war. He was one of only two AFL defensive players to be named uh, first team all pro all three of those years. And then after age 24, his performance falls off a cliff. And I really couldn't find an explanation for this. I did see his nickname was Wild Man, and uh, some of his antics were he uh, he ran onto the Chiefs snow-covered field before a game in nothing but his helmet and his jockstrap, mm. and he would routinely hit his head on metal locker doors to motivate Ooh, himself. Ooh, I wonder why of, his play is like, yeah. he's, he's also Long Island, <laughs> exactly. born in Hicksville, went to Medieval uh, uh, High. Uh, yeah, a Gus Farratt situation. So, um, yeah, so his career sort of falls off a cliff. So Larry Eisenhower... You know, had a had a really good start, and then uh, you know, but I, I would also guess that he was you know a two hundred and 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 fifteen pound uh, white guy who probably would not <laughs> have lasted in, in other. No, areas. he's listed as two fifty, uh, so he must have been an oh, enormous wow. for that day. Oh yeah, that's pretty big. Yeah, uh, for yeah, and, and that's and he's not a tackle; he's an end. So I mean, t- ends today even are two fifty. He's uh, still around. I see on YouTube he got interviewed on uh, on some New England station in uh, just a couple of years ago at the Super Bowl. So. All right, so he's still uh, living off those Patriots. Oh, wow. So the, you know what? He's got a crazy ponytail. He must. You know what? He's definitely like walking around, like sleeping with people's stepmoms like this guy. Larry well, he's wild man. We said he's wild. Yeah, man. He's still a wild man. Yeah. OK, good for Larry Eisenhower. <laughs> he's getting a shout out on the podcast. Uh, maybe he's a listener. Yeah, Larry. Uh, let Again, us this could be this isn't the best podcast, but it could be the only one to have ever mentioned Larry Eisenhower. Yeah, well, I, he's got to be. I, I'm sure he's been interviewed on some Patriots podcast during Super Bowl week or something. 
if he's like hanging out at the Super Bowl. Anyway, the, the the other the other guys I have on my list are all running backs. It's sort of unfair to include running backs because as we said, like a running back falling off a cliff in his later twenties isn't unusual. It's sort of standard. Mm-hmm. But there are two running backs I want to highlight. So the first one is Ray Rice. We know the Ray Rice story. Uh, you know, we also know that a lot of people said the reason teams weren't willing to give him another chance mm-hmm. is because his on-field performance wouldn't offer the potential to overcome the Tsuris, as our people would say, that would come to the team that signed him, unlike, you know, Michael Vick, for example. And it is true that in his final season, two, 2013, at age 26, far and away the worst year of his career in every single stat, his yards per carry, which was 4.5 up till that point, dropped to 3.1, which is literal garbage, as you'd like to say. But yeah, what and I he was only 5.5 as a receiver. Like his, he was an amazing receiver and his and yeah, his but, Yeah, but let's not forget how good he was before that 2013 season. So through age 25, his first five years of his career, Ray, I, I looked at – this is not just running backs. This is every position in football. Through age 25, Ray Rice has the second highest AV of all time among non-Hall of Fame NFL players, excluding you know active guys who are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, behind only Edron James, who I've mentioned on this podcast many times to me as a no-brainer Hall of Famer. In those first five years in the league, Ray Rice was basically every year 2,000 yards from scrimmage, 1,300 rushing yards, 65 catches. I would say that he was almost slightly underrated because from a fantasy perspective, he didn't have as many touchdowns. Like his rookie season, he had no touchdowns. And over the course of those five years, he was third in the league in yards from scrimmage behind Adrian Peterson and Chris Johnson, but only 13th in touchdowns. So I think because he didn't score as many touchdowns, he was a little underrated. But he was like just a supremely good player, and he was really the offense for the Ravens. And those were you know very good Ravens teams. Um and so Ray Rice, uh, you know, uh, drags his his uh, wife and. Uh, but know, now, he, wait, hold on. We said this is going to be flameouts, but also forgotten stars. Now Ray Rice is not forgotten. He may in thirty okay. years, you may say, okay, "Oh, so this the, guy right, was so great." The, okay, so then I, I have one. Okay, so then I have one other running back I want to mention. And this wait, so is, is he one of your five? Though I don't understand. I don't, what's my five? I, I I I have one. I have three football players to talk about. One baseball player. One basketball. One. So he's player, one of your one five. You're going to do your last football sure. player now. So uh, you're saying Ray Rice, who's still extremely famous, is forgotten. Well, again, the way I interpreted this is what you did with John Jefferson. I looked at players who were elite through age 25 and then dropped off a cliff. Okay. Whether or not they're remembered or forgotten, hopefully in this podcast, and and Ray Rice is not really remembered as a football player. He's remembered as a guy who beat his wife and was caught on videotape. Mm. And, and, and so you're and, trying and, to bring back that he should mostly be remembered <laughs> as a football player. Well, no, if we're going to be honest here, what Ray Rice did, as abhorrent and disgusting as it was, there are many football players who do much worse things. The difference in his I, case was that there was videotape. I don't know. We were out of the picture <laughs> a lot this weekend, but I like I don't know if you if you followed any of the Conor McGregor stuff or if you even heard about it. I heard he like threw something at some like yeah he attacked basically he attacked a, a bus full of fighters, and so Dana White, uh, who who you know is like a low rent Mc, Vince McMahon except probably richer, and he yeah. needs he needs to sort of justify people thought it was faked. You no, know, he needs to justify that uh, like McGregor is not so bad because he needs McGregor is his only star because Ronda Rousey is in the WWE and they have not been able to develop any more stars. So he needs to pretend like that it's not a big deal. So he literally went on ESPN or so, or Fox Sports and said and said like in every other sport they do things way worse. <laughs> so he said in every in every other sport they do things way worse than like attack the other team before the game. <laughs> so like, I'm as guilty send three as on the other team to the so hospital. So I'm guilty of the I'm guilty of the same whataboutism is what you're saying. It's cr- I mean it was crazy. Like okay every- fine. So let, okay let, I have one other running back I want to talk about. This is sure. a guy who I do not. Uh, if I were to mention the name Larry Brown to you, if I were to poll a thousand sports fans, who's Larry Brown? What percentage would say he's the basketball coach? 
What, what's going on in the background? You have a conference? Uh, there's a bunch of women coming in here. <laughs> All right. I don't know what's going uh, on. They, they heard we were talking about Ray Rice, so. <laughs> I don't know where fine. I'm going with that. No, I want to say a joke. Well, my, my daughter came in and said she won't leave unless we let her say a joke. Okay, let's hear All a right. joke from your daughter. Well, come here. Come say your joke. Wait, should I tell her about my brother's story? Is Ch- no, this is my 12-year-old daughter. This is Chester, Ella. Say hi to the, put, you know, speak hi. into the mic, Ella. Hi. Ella, let's hear your joke. Hello? Ella, just remember, this podcast is for all audiences. Yeah, don't make I it don't inappropriate. Care. Okay. Kay. What's your joke? <laughs> okay. I'm nervous. How many, uh, what's it called, and how many steps do you put an elephant into the fridge? How many steps does it take to put an elephant into the fridge? Yeah. How many? How many Wait, steps? Are you I'm answering him? I'm asking he, Chester. Well, Chester, answer the oh, question. I, 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 I'm trying to think of some kind of trunk pun. I don't know. I don't know. Just make up a number. Just guess. Four. Just get her out of here. Three. How many do you put a draft into the fridge? But you, I think you have to explain first. Oh, right. You need to open the fridge, put it in, and then... And then I'll close the fridge. Okay, how many do you put the, the fridge? Close, putting the elephant in the fridge, and then closing, and then closing. The how fridge. many do okay. you put the giraffe in the fridge? How many steps are you really butchering this oh, joke okay. that you already practiced? <laughs> okay. uh, I don't practice. Okay, three. No, yeah. four. Because you need to open the fridge, take the elephant out, then put the giraffe in, then close oh, it. Oh yes, yes. Oh, I was saying. Okay, are you done? Okay, there was there was Give me a something meeting. Different. Give no, me something different. Fine, a different joke. There was a meeting in the. Zoo. How? What animal did not come? The aardvark. No, the giraffe. He's in the fridge. Oh, yes, yes. Good point. Okay. You're crushing it. Okay. Stop. <laughs> you see, he's beat to me. Okay. <laughs> then. Then. Oh, and he always talks about you, Chester. All right. Go, go, go. Okay. Keep going. He, his life father. is Chester. He goes, can I talk to Chester? Can I go right. to Chester? Right, You're embarrassing your father. <laughs> I don't care. Okay. Um, okay. Last joke. A man, fine. A man wanted to cross the river. It said, do not pass. There's alligators. He crossed the uh, You'll die. He passed the river. Why, why did he not die? The alligators were in the fridge with the giraffe. No, the alligators are at the meeting. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Right, okay, bye. you see? All right, bye. Dad. <laughs> All right, go out. <laughs> Shit, Great least, interlude. Just, close the door. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so we were talking about Larry Brown. Yeah. Who is Larry Brown, Akiva? You're a sports fan. Tell me who he is. Larry Brown was the Super Bowl MVP. Okay, so, okay, but most people know Larry Brown is, is the basketball coach. Oh, I, well, we're talking about football players. Hello, though. No, this is not a party Wait, where uh, everyone uh, can just come in here. What is going- <laughs> hello, Chester. I want to say hello to Chester. All right, say hello to Chester. Hello, Chester. Hello, hello. He's not answering me. Abba, mommy's I, calling you. Right, guys, go out. Mara, get these guys out of Hi, hi. What is going on here? All right, Akiva. So if you were to poll uh, 100 sports fans and ask them, who's Larry Brown? What, what, what would 99% of them say? 99 sports fans would say the coach who never stayed anywhere for more than two years. Yeah. Okay. So you, because uh, you're a Super Bowl expert, uh, you know who Larry Brown, the running back, was. No, Larry Brown, the cornerback. Okay. So then you don't know who Larry Brown is. Good. Okay, fine. So you were referring to Larry Brown on the Cowboys in the 90s when I said Yeah, football. Super Bowl 30 MVP Larry Brown. I don't know which Larry Brown you're talking oh. about. 
I'm talking about the greatest Larry Brown that there is, which is the running back. I mean, there's probably like an accountant, Larry Brown, who's like the third best accountant in the world. He's probably the greatest Larry Brown. All right. The first five seasons of career among NFL running backs. Can I give you the rankings of approximate value? Give me. Number one, Thurman Thomas, Hall of Famer. Number two, Emmett Smith, Hall of Famer. Number three, LaDainian Tomlinson, Hall of Famer. Number four, Chuck Foreman on the Vikings in the 70s, who uh, uh, career was a little bit cut short. I would pick him, but I'm not being a homer. And uh, tied for fifth is Larry Brown. Larry Brown in 1972 was and by the way uh Larry Brown is tied for fifth with William Andrews on this list who's another guy we could mention but he's not a guy his career was only five years long but it's not that he fell off a cliff it's that he didn't join the NFL until age 24 so his career ended at a normal age I didn't backs. include a lot of guys like uh, that there were baseball yeah. players who start too late also yeah there's another uh, Billy Sims on the Lions was the same era as William Andrews similar circumstance anyway uh so tied for fifth is uh Larry Brown Larry Brown in his fourth season in the NFL at age 24 he was the unanimous MVP of the NFL, uh, led the league in yards, best player in the league by virtually any metric, led the league in approximate value. His Washington team went to the Super Bowl where they lost the undefeated Dolphins. Um, and in the playoffs that year, he was not the Super Bowl MVP, but you know he was very good. He had over 100 yards in each of the first two playoff games. He had 98 yards in the Super Bowl. Uh, they lost because Billy Kilmer uh, had 104 yards passing and three interceptions. Anyway, the next year at age 26, he leads the league in touchdowns. And then after that, his career immediately fizzles out. So he's still number 58 on my all-time running backs list, which is okay, but that's nowhere near the Hall of Fame. And Larry Brown is the only non-active, non-quarterback MVP not in the Hall of Fame other than Mark Mosley, the troll kicker who was named MVP in 1982 for shtick. So to be a Hall of Famer, uh, to be a Pro Bowler, to be the MVP of the NFL and not be a Hall of Famer is very unusual. Unless And uh, Larry Brown was just an incredibly good running back whose career was basically done after age 26. Age 25, his career is done. Um, well, no, age, well, age 26, he led the league in touchdowns. His 20, so. his 20 yeah, is uh, reference as his year 25 season. But right, his his yards per carry the last four years of his career, as opposed to the first four years, 3.2, 2.6, 3.6, 2.8. Great. Not great. Well, that's why his career ended. All right, so those, those are my football guys. I had a little more football than I had other sports. But uh, which sport are we going to next? Uh, let's go to hockey, because I have one from every sport. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, you know, this is uh, we're big hockey guys on this podcast. So hockey, I'm a hockey expert. Yeah. So Jim Carrey, the goalie, and speak, oh, the goalie. speaking speaking of people of with uh, famous names, um, yeah. in 1995 puts up uh, a 2.13 goals against average. Out of nowhere, he's a rookie. He's a backup, but he, you know, now it's like it was more of a joke. Like, hi, Ace Ventura's around. Ace Ventura, Jim Carrey, net detective, or whatever. And then the next year. Comes out, plays the entire season, puts up similarly awesome numbers, well over 90%. Uh, safe percentage, uh, low low twos goals against average, and he wins the freaking Vezina Trophy. That's at a time when Dominic Kajic was winning it every year. He won the year before, the year afterwards. Uh, so Carey now, at the age of 23, is the best goalie in the world. Next year, falls back to basically league average, 2.75 goals against, under 90% save percentage, and... He gets traded to the Bruins. He is an he's a disaster for the Bruins. He goes five and thirteen for them. The following year, uh, barely plays, and that's it. He's 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 essentially out of the league by his twenty fifth birthday. He's he's completely out of the NHL. So I think I think one of the things about if you're a great receiver and then you have a couple bad years, people keep taking a flyer on you because. You, your fifth receiver has no impact on your team. But because hockey teams only carry two goalies, if your other goalie is in Chuck Knobloch zone, right, if he's just totally unplayable for whatever reason, you can't, you can't like, uh, roster someone who stinks. 
So yeah. like there's no there you know there's no you could you could send him to the minors, but that's it. He he doesn't even go to the minors. He's basically retired at the age of 25, really at 24 because there's nowhere for him to go. He there's no third string goal. He could have gone to Europe. I mean, he wasn't good anymore. Like he was objectively yeah. bad. Uh I don't know if it was like a head thing. So, you know, people have uh, the, the kids nowadays have forgotten. Him. He wasn't a big prospect. He was a second round pick. Came out of nowhere. Great first year, wins the Vezina. Second year, seventh in Vezina's voting. So he's, you know, he he has two years where he's an elite goalie and then never again. So, Jim Carrey's my hockey guy. You've done three already, so let me give you one more. Sure. Well, can I just tell you my hockey guy about whom I know nothing? Sure. <laughs> uh, and I did the same thing. I just I searched for players through age 25 who uh, led the league, who had their most uh, career point shares to that point, who are not Hall of Famers. And I came up with uh, Ricky Martin, living La Vida Loca. Rick Martin, uh, for the 1970s Buffalo Sabres, was a first-team All-Star in 74, in 75, in 76, 77, through age 25. He was a first- or second-team All-Star pretty much every year. And then after that age 25 season, he basically falls off a cliff. Um, seems like he had a lot of injuries. But, yeah, number 11 all-time in goals per game average in NHL history. And can I just read you from his Wikipedia page? Sure. This is all I know. He's involved in one of the three most frightening injuries on Buffalo home ice. During a 77 game, Dave Farish of the Rangers hooked Martin around the neck from behind and kicked Martin's feet out from under him, causing Martin to hit his head on the ice. He was knocked unconscious and went into convulsions. After that play, helmets became a more common sight. Uh, in 1988, his career was dealt a further devastating blow in a game against the Washington Capitals. Martin was racing in on a breakaway. Capitals forward Ryan Walter tripped him. No penalty was called. Captain Capitals goalie Mike Palmatier, already way out of his crease, knocked Martin back down by kicking his knee, causing severe cartilage damage that ended his career. So, uh, tough end for uh, for uh, for Ricky Martin, which is why, even though he was really good in the first six years of his career, he's uh, totally forgotten, basically. Yeah, no, he's definitely forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. That's your whole, that's your whole list. I have three more guys to go. No, I have baseball and basketball guys. Oh, okay. I don't follow your rules. Okay. Anyway, okay. So what's next? Um, so I had three baseball guys I wasn't able to pick. I'll pick one, but then I'll I'll uh, I'll also tell you my. No, no. Give me all three. I gave you three football. Okay, guys. fine. Give me three baseball guys. So my most modern baseball guy is Phil Plantier. He in he, you know he's okay. He has one amazing year where he's a part time player, plays about a third of the season for the Red Sox, and he hits three thirty with eleven home runs and one hundred forty eight at bats. As an 178 OPS plus, just an amazing year. The next year struggles, but it establishes himself after he gets traded to the Padres. At age 24, goes 240 with 60 walks, 34 homers, 100 RBI. Ha, you know, he, he establishes himself basically as a star. Everyone's uh, drafting him in fantasy baseball in 1994. Was most definitely on steroids. But he was a thick fellow. Yeah. Um, and. <laughs> And that's it, basically, for Plantier. The next year, he hits 220 before it was cool. Uh, and by 1995, he, he gets traded to the Astros. He's he has less than uh, he has nine homers the whole year. Never again hits double digits. Hits 34 homers at the age of 24, 18 at 25, and in his prime at 26, 27, 28, never hits double digits. Despite getting tons of at bats, he goes in in for the A's in 1996. It's 212. With seven homers in in you know almost half the season, he's you know he's a complete disaster, totally out of baseball by age twenty eight. So Phil Plantier, a true flameout, didn't he? Win, I believe um, he won. Uh, no, he didn't win Rookie of the Year because he didn't. He didn't have rookie status that first year. 
But, you know, a guy who drove in 100 runs, hit 34 homers, was totally done. Uh, going back a little bit in time, Johnny Groff, born in 1926, in, he, has, he has a cup of coffee in 46, 47, 48 for the Tigers. In 48, he actually goes 8 for 17. So then 49, he established himself. Okay, he's going to play. He hits 293. Again, he's a shortstop. 293 with 11 homers, 19 doubles, 5 triples, has a 132 OPS plus, 878 OPS. He is, he's established himself as a star, gets a bunch of Rookie of the Year votes. He's a two-and-a-half win player. Then in his next year, he has his, the best year of his career, plays 157 games, hits 306 with 12 homers and 85 RBI. Again, shortstops didn't hit a lot of home runs in 1950, so this was a pretty big deal. Uh, he, he's a, he, he, his war is 3.2, and he is, at this point, if you were you know writing some sort of like future stars list, He's a 23-year-old shortstop with power, and you'd assume he's going to become an absolute superstar. And then he just never does anything again. In, 50, in 51, he hits 299 with no power. And then after that, not, you know, not, the batting average goes in addition to the fact that he stops hitting home runs. His, his prime season at 27, he has 275 with seven home runs, despite playing almost the whole season for the White Sox. So he also he stuck around for a while but was you know only on the merits of his first few years because 58 59 60 he's washed up in his 30s he he goes back to the tigers in his 30s but it's not a happy reunion so johnny groth total flame out and uh, i'll meet you midway because i had a modern guy and a guy from the 40s in the late 70s early 80s for the oakland a's mitchell page totally forgotten his rookie year and he get he he has an Edgar style like rakes in the minors and gets to the major leagues late at the age of twenty five. He goes three oh seven with twenty one homers, seventy five RBIs, and forty two steals. Just a ridiculous rookie year. Uh, actually, does not win rookie of the year. Do you know who wins the nineteen seventy seven AL rookie of the year? Was it Mark Fidrichan? No, <laughs> Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray. Oh, okay. Uh, I, Mitchell Page definitely deserved it. I, I, I mean, other than the fact that he only played 145 games, there is no reason why Eddie Murray won it over him. Eddie Murray was a, like a league average player. I mean, history was kind to Eddie Murray yeah. over Mitchell Page, but a lot. Yeah. So anyway, um, so Page after his 42 steal with power and and 78 walks, just a re, you know 926 OPS. He's a six win offensive player in his 6.1 WAR. In his rookie year, next year he goes 285 with 17 homers, and this is pro- like this maybe leads to you know points to some uh, physical problems. He steals 23 bases but gets caught 19 times, meaning he shouldn't even be trying. The next year he steals 17, gets caught 16 times, which is one of the worst ratios I've ever seen if somebody steals that much. But by that third year, he's hitting 247 with nine home runs, playing an entire season, and he's he's a well below uh, you know replacement player. He's he's at he's a negative 0.6 WAR in his in his prime 27 season he hits 141 for the a's in 1981 in over 100 at bats great. and uh and that's basically it for mitchell page who really nobody's ever heard of yeah i've never heard of him so those are my three baseball guys all right Let's go. um back in 2018 there was this uh young stud hitter and pitcher named shohei otani who is uh no longer remembered yeah no, I just I, I just feel like we got yelled at a lot for not discussing like free agency. Like we have to mention what Shohei Otani is doing right now. Well, it's He's funny because right. we were like the two most anti Shohei Otani. We laughed that people were going to like draft yeah. him in fantasy. Like he has zero value yeah. unless. And we yeah. were right. Like 
if he's not yes. Jacob no, Degrom, he's still right. He still should be in the NL. He should be in the NL. But anyway, I mean, like what? What exactly are you going to like? He, I mean, you could obviously he's playable now. Like if you're if you're playing fantasy baseball as the utilities slot. All right. Well, there is a reason I brought him up because my my baseball guy is a a similar. You know, he's not Shohei Otani or Babe Ruth, but he pulled off something similar. By the way, if if you if you sort of do the same search, which is you know search the most WAR through age twenty five for guys who are not in the Hall of Fame, you're going to find guys like Doc Gooden and Fernando Valenzuela. But uh, you know, I don't think they really qualify here. Nobody nobody has forgotten Doc Gooden, obviously, and nobody has forgotten Fernando Valenzuela, who lives in LA. But people have forgotten Ray Rice, uh, according to you. Yeah, no, but Smokey Joe Wood. I bet you most people have forgotten Smokey. No, Joe I Wood. think they either never knew him or they haven't forgotten him because he has a famous name. But. Okay, so tell me a single fact about Smokey Joe Wood without Googling him. He was a good pitcher. Okay, <laughs> and you're basing that on the fact that his name is Smokey. No, so I mean, I... I yeah, like, fastball. Yeah, am I wrong? Well, okay, so Smokey Joe Wood bursts onto the season as an 18-year-old for the Boston Red Sox in 1908. Uh, almost immediately, he becomes, you know, uh, probably the best or one of the best pitchers in baseball. In 1912, at the age of 22, can I give you his numbers? Sure. 34 wins. That's three followed by four. 34 wins. 35. Right, and that's a little games, late. Like that. That's this is not 1800s. 34 wins. Like which wasn't. No, impressive. no. This is no. These numbers all led the league by by. Has anybody guys. won 34 oh. games since he won 34? Probably not. Right. No. Okay. No. No. A 1.91 earned run average. Okay, that's good. This is this is a good season for a 22 year old. By mm-hmm. the way, um, that year. By the way, he had um. On September 6th, he faces off against Walter Johnson, who reportedly said – and Walter Johnson, who had like you know, the first 100-mile-per-hour fastball, people pe- – supposedly he once said that, that, that Smokey Joe threw faster than him. But um, they, they faced off against each other at the time. Uh, Wood had a 13-game winning streak. Johnson had a 16-game winning streak. And uh, th- th- they was the best-selling baseball game of the year that year. And, um, and um, Wood gave up only two hits, and the Red Sox won one nothing. And then in the 1912 World Series, he faced John McGraw, and in Game Eight, because there was eight games in the World Series for some reason, yeah, that's the nine that year. <laughs> yeah, it was Smokey Joe against Christy Mathewson, and uh, Smokey Joe comes in as a pinch, as a pinch, as a relief pitcher actually, uh, eighth inning, ninth inning, goes to the extras, and then this is the famous game of the Merkel Boner, I believe. Yeah. Is it not, or was that earlier? In the- anyways, uh, so anyway, Smokey Joe, phenomenal season in 1912. Really, 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 really good. 34 wins, 191 ERA. He's on his way to being one of the. By the way, game of seven of that best of nine series, because he pitched, he he he's already had two wins. He allows three runs in a complete game, 11 strikeouts in game one. Game four has a one run, eight strikeout, no walk performance. So he's got two wins in the series. Trying to clean up in in game seven. Gives up six runs in the first inning, gets chased, yeah, and then pitches. Yes. Not, a, but but it comes back the next the day. To pitch next day and pitches you know, three really innings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So anyway, the next season, coming off that thirty-four win season, unfortunately, he slips on some wet grass, fielding a bunt, and breaks his thumb. Now, Smokey Joe is so good that he continues to pitch uh, throughout that season and the next two seasons. Uh, and in fact, like uh, by two two years later, nineteen fifteen, again, he leads the league in ERA at one forty-nine. He leads the league in winning percentage. The problem is this is in an era when uh, starting pitchers would pitch, you know, 40-plus games, 350 innings. And because of the injury, the problem was the pain would require him, cause him to require significant recovery time. Mm-hmm. And so he could he, – he's sort of like Shohei Otani. He could not be a member of a four-man or even a five-man rotation. So he was only pitching about 115 innings a season. And 115 innings of elite pitching wasn't that valuable in an era when, you know, starters were pitching three times that. And there was no such thing really as, you know, relief specialists. 
So he doesn't play again at all in 1916. He only plays a couple games in 1917, and his career is seemingly over. He gets sold to the Indians late in the 1917 season. But like his teammate Babe Ruth uh, at almost the exact same time, uh, the next year in 1918, he decides, well, let me just try and come back as an outfielder and see what happens. And in 1918, his first season as an outfielder, he finishes in the top 10 in the league in batting average, home runs, RBIs, doubles, total bases. So immediately, instantly, he goes, and again, it's Shohei Otani-esque. He goes from the best pitcher in the league to uh, not the best hitter. Certainly, he was no Babe Ruth, but a, but, a, but a good hitter. But overall, to be honest, he was an above-average hitter, but nothing special. His, his career ends a couple years later. But I would argue that had he never slipped and hurt his thumb, he would be undoubtedly a Hall of Fame pitcher. And alternatively, had he been exclusively an outfielder from the beginning of his career, his counting stats would have been, you know, again, not a Hall of Famer, but he would have been better remembered. But because he's sort of half of one and half of the other – He's he's sort of a, you'd have to be a massive. Wait, so his second the last year he hits three sixty six and then his last year he hits two ninety seven with almost hundred RBI. And why does he stop playing after nineteen twenty two? His heart was broken. He didn't want to be a uh, <laughs> he didn't want to be an outfielder anymore. I don't know. I mean, he was thirty two, so he wasn't like old, you know yeah, young. Nobody ever stage. retired yeah. like just because. Yeah, he had a yeah he had one hundred fifty hits in his last season. I don't know. Let, let's let's go to the Wikipedia page. Why did he finish his career? Um, it doesn't really say. It just says he finished his career after the 1922 season. And his final season. I guess it's not like in modern days. They're not walking away from $20 million. Like, I guess at a yeah, exactly. point, you could just leave. Yeah, but I mean, he's an everyday player. Yeah, he has 92 RBIs, 150 hits. So, you know, he's solid. But yeah, so Smokey Joe, a super good pitcher, breaks his thumb, can't pitch anymore, and becomes an above average outfielder. So, uh, a very unique player. And, uh, you know, I think someone who should be better remembered. So, poor out for Smokey Joe. Sorry, Smokey. Yeah. All right, so you have what you next? have you have one sport left, right? You have basketball. Basketball, left. yeah. Um, so let me do basketball first, then you'll do basketball, and I'll do my other. Um, okay. Nineteen seventy eight, seventy nine season. A young point guard comes in t- into the league for the Kansas City Royals, and he uh, puts up sixteen points a game. Kansas City Kings, excuse me, puts up sixteen points a game, eight and a half assists. Uh, shoots 50, 46% from the floor, uh, and uh, comes close to leading the league in steals. You'd say that's an absolute superstar, right? 16 points, yeah. eight and a half assists. Sounds great good. steals, good shooter, free throw shooter, so the, the shooting should hold up. The next year, yeah. improves points, assists is close. Uh, you know, everything, uh, the percentages are pretty similar. Starts. By the way, I'm such a nerd, I think I know who you're talking about. Who do you think I'm talking about? Uh, UNC's Phil Ford? Yeah, Phil Ford. Third year oh, in the league has a, a that is that is pretty bad. Seventeen and a half points. In Wait, the 19... but why is he on this list? He didn't drop off a cliff, did he? Oh yeah. It, third year in the league, oh, seventeen yeah. and a half points, eight a career high, eight point eight assists, shoots forty seven point eight percent from the floor, and that's it. Never averages double digits again. Two years later, he's already down. To his ha- his assists have been halved. He stops hitting shots. That eighty two season, he hits forty three point something percent from the floor. Gets traded to the Nets, the Bucks, the Rockets. Age 28, he, he plays a few games in the league, and then he's out. A, a guy who, when he was 22, was, you know, w- looking like an absolute, uh, you know, like uh, all-star player, is totally done. I think, I think, but because he has such a good college career, so we remember him better. Maybe that's why. I, I think he's more known now, honestly, as like an assistant coach. He's been like a lot of places. Here's, here's the other problem. There's a lot of guys, you know, who put up big numbers for garbage teams. I mean, like Kansas City was garbage. Like, you know, Sharif Abdurrahim did that. So... You can't really count those kinds of guys, kind of guys in basketball, because there's so many of them. I think. But he, I mean, he was just so good for three years. Like he's a top. He he gets MVP votes two years in a row, and then is out of the league. 
I mean, I'm looking. His career high in win shares is 6.1. He was a se- he's second high team PR, NBA. His career high in PR is 17.3. Mm-hmm. So he was he was a garbage player putting up numbers for a garbage team. I mean, he was hitting shots, All though. Right. Like, he was efficient. He was stealing balls, so he's probably playing defense. All right. Well, I mean, so, but what happened to him? But, like, he just, he wasn't good. Like, uh, to be good in basketball, you have to be a good player on a good team. You know, again, otherwise Sharif Abdurrahim qualifies, or even Elton Brand, who, you know, for most of his career. All right. Uh, so my basketball guy is, you know, when, when we discuss this idea, the obvious one that comes to mind is Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. But he's too obvious, I think, right? Youngest MVP in the league and then, you know, falls off the cliff. Stefan Marbury is another possibility. But to me, I think he actually stuck around the league as a good player longer than people remember. Okay. In, in Stefan Marbury's ninth season in the league, ninth year in the league, he played all 82 games, put up 22-3-8 with a 22 PER. Mm-hmm. So uh, so Marbury was around too long. Another guy I thought of was Andrew Bynum, who – but my issue with Andrew Bynum is he was really more potential. Like, he only had one good actual season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he was done for the league at age 26 – but he was really, you know, you could really put him in more almost like the Greg Oden category, like a guy who had potential but never really proved it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the guy, so I want the guy I want to talk about is Brandon Roy. Uh, before we talk about Brandon Roy, we have to talk about the 2006 uh, draft class. 2006, the first overall pick is Andrea Bargnani, who you know has yeah, again, he's another guy who had a career, you know, scoring some points for some garbage teams. Number two pick, Lamarcus Aldridge, uh, currently on your Spurs, far and away the best player in this draft. He's had a good career. Number three, Adam Morrison, who we all remembered crying with his lame little mustache from Gonzaga. Do you know how bad Adam Morrison was in the NBA? I mean, he was barely in it, yeah. This is how bad he was. Adam Morrison, for his career, had negative 1.4 win shares. Negative 1.4 win shares. In the grand history of the National Basketball Association, at least back to the 1960s, uh, I didn't look before that, there are only two players in history who were top three picks and had negative win shares. Uh, Len Bias obviously had none because he... uh, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why I'm laughing about a guy who OD'd and died. But um, led by uh, had no win shares. But Adam Morrison, negative 1.4, and Chris Washburn in 1986 had negative. Washburn, 0.6. I believe, was a uh, like a cocaine type guy, though. Yeah, he was <laughs> a guy in, in John Lucas's house. Yeah, but but these guys are so bad. Like Anthony Bennett had positive win shares, right? L- but Lou Morrison Martin, plays his his rookie year and. Uh, doesn't hit a shot the whole year, but like maybe he becomes a good player. But then he tears up his knee, and like he came back, but he was he like he couldn't move anymore. Yeah, but he had multiple chances. Um, he you know yeah, he but he, he like couldn't move anymore. His knee was done. Yeah, but he was All really right. bad but, as uh, a rookie. Anyway. He played. He played thirty minutes a game. He hit. He shot and he shot thirty seven percent. And he's. Uh, yeah, not six good. foot eight. You should never shoot thirty seven percent when you're six foot eight. Yeah, so he's not good. Uh, the next pick in that draft was Tyrus Thomas, who also you know pretty much a bust. Although he had a couple moments. The next pick in that draft, Sheldon Williams. Who at the time, I remember the day of the draft, it made no sense why Atlanta took Sheldon Williams and where they took him. Yeah. People thought that they had like promised him or something. Um, anyways, after that, the very next pick is Brandon Roy by the Wolves, who immediately who would have been the Randy best player Roy, in the draft. Taken next. Yeah, so Brandon Roy is who I want to talk about. So Brandon Roy was uh you know joins the Blazers and immediately becomes an all-star and again which the Blazers the picked Roy and Aldridge in that round no Aldridge was taken by the Bulls oh right right right. okay yeah and then he got traded also so yes they they acquired both of them that's correct mm-hmm. and that's what it was when you acquire two all-stars you immediately uh you know a 22 year olds you immediately become a really good team so Brandon Roy age 23 24 25 an all-star every year Putting up, you know, twenty-two, five and five. Uh, the the next, uh, the next Clyde Drexler, more or less, for the Blazers, and looks like he's going to be sort of, you know, like the the next shooting guard, you know, after like Dwayne Wade or whatever, and Kobe Bryant uh, leave the scene, and then he gets injured in the two thousand ten season, 
And then, you know, he's basically never heard from again. He came at uh, uh, David Kahn tried to give him a chance for the Timberwolves in 2013. He played five games and unfortunately couldn't play anymore. So he's completely done. He played five games after age 26. And Brandon Roy was a guy, you know, he would still be around again. Like, look at his draft class. We still have LaMarcus Aldridge and we still have uh, I mean, Rudy Gay also, actually also on your Spurs. But you look, you look at the rest of that draft. Patrick O'Brien, Mohamed Sine. I mean, really a really bad draft. Uh, Cedric Simmons. Uh, these guys are Hilton Armstrong. These guys are all taken in the top 15. Uh, I mean, Hilton Armstrong, so I, I'm a UConn fan. Like, he wasn't good in college. It's crazy. that he, you know, yeah. That was still when people drafted guys for size. Like, they didn't realize the NBA was moving the other direction. So you draft somebody who's yeah. seven feet tall and who can move a little, but they have no use in the NBA. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you look at this draft. Marcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap in the second round is the second best player coming out of this draft. And Kyle Lowry, uh, who was taken late in the first round. Those are the three sort of Lowry better than Lowry's had a better career than Millsap. Yeah, well, they're pretty close, and win shares Millsap's ahead of him by a little bit. Millsap was always very underrated. Yeah, but Millsap's um, career is almost yeah. done. Like Lowry is is the best player. Well, Millsap on, just on, signed on the... a massive free agent contract last summer, so you know he was injured this year. But you know, let's. Well, see but his done. no, his key is like Lowry is the best player on a playoff team. Yeah, well, let's, Paul Millsap let's see Lowry is like not a guy in the NBA. Let's see. First of all. Let's see Lowry not be complete garbage in the playoffs, number one. Number two, these are both free agents who I wanted the Timberwolves to get this past offseason. Uh, Millsap would be the best player on, a, on an all-star team, uh, on a playoff team, if he wasn't injured. By the so way, there are three the guys offense. early. I'm a UConn fan. They get three guys picked in that draft. Hilton Armstrong, 12. Marcus Williams, the, the passing Marcus Williams, 22. And Josh Boone, 23. Like, who couldn't shoot in college. Like, it's, cra- like, it's shocking looking back. UConn... UConn was just so good back then that people assumed that their players would all be good, and those are just yeah. I mean, the, back then, if I mean, like the nineteen ninety seven Gophers who went to the Final Four had four guys from that team. Well, I mean, no, six or seven guys from that team total played in the NBA, but four guys that year seniors all all played in the NBA, including Trevor Winter. Their backup center played a few games for the Wolves. John Thomas, their center who was garbage, was drafted in the first round, I think, by the Celtics, like twenty two. So back then, if you were on a team that went to the Final Four and you were decent. An NBA team would sort of shrug and say, "Yeah, we'll, we'll draft them, see what happens." Yeah, and they had a fourth guy. They got Denim Brown, a Canadian guy who never even played in the league. Pick you know, uh, and remember, uh, Pat, yeah. my one of my favorite picks, the Warriors pick ninth overall. They picked center Patrick O'Brien. Yeah, uh, uh, a, a um, what, what did uh, Reggie? What did Bill Simmons call those people? All star. Yeah, Reggie Cleveland All Star for sure. Patrick O'Brien not does not look like you no. think he would. Uh, so you have a non basketball, you have a non core four player to add to. Yeah, this, uh, well, uh, I'll, I'll give you. I mean, I could. There are a hundred Olympics people I could give you. I'll just give you one. I'll narrow it down. I'll mm-hmm. do uh, summer and not winter. Um, so, and I'll include a link to this because it's one of the coolest videos on YouTube. So the United States had never before or never since had somebody win the ten thousand meters in the Olympics. It's the only race uh, I believe that they had never won, other than the steeplechase, which they. Um, are f- finally good at now. <laughs> you know why it's called the steeplechase? I have no because idea Because they used to run that length, which is now like 3,000 meters, they used to run from like one church steeple to another. That would be the race. Oh, so that's why it's okay. called the steeplechase. Um, so, uh, so, you know, the way you make a U.S. Olympic team in track and field is you're one of the three fastest guys at U.S. trials. They basically have nationals, and even if you're the best guy in the world, you don't make the team unless you are one of the three fastest in that race. Um, and it's you know viewed as like sometimes it's harder than the actual Olympics, depending on the, the discipline. So he, it's not a hard team to make because, again, they've never won a gold medal. They've never really contended for any medal. And this guy, Billy Mills, comes in second place uh, behind a guy named Jerry Lindgren. But he's super far behind everyone, not considered a contender to win a medal. This is the 1964 
Summer Olympics. And the favorite is the world record holder, a guy named Ron Clark from Australia. Um, so they get to Tokyo where the Olympics are. Billy Mills never at any point speaks to a reporter, has no conversation with any member of the media before the Olympics, gets on the track, and there used to be... The 10,000 meters is the longest race that's actually on the track because the only thing on that is on a marathon, which is on the street. So you basically run around the track like 20 times. Well, it, it finishes on the track. Huh? But yeah, they don't run around it. <laughs> yeah, it finishes Correct. on the track. Correct. It can, it can finish. It, uh, it doesn't, yeah, it finishes in the Olympic right. Stadium right before the closing yeah. ceremonies, the men's race at least. Um, but right, they don't, so, but back then there was like 40 runners. So it's complete chaos on the track and people are dropping out. 10,000 meters is a lot back then in 1964. It was, this is 20 years before scientists even think a woman can physically run uh, a marathon. I'm not, I don't think women were running 10,000 meters yet. And so Billy Mills is up there with Clark, the favorite in the world record holder, and this guy, Mohamed Gamudi from Tunisia. And at, eventually it's just the three of them. And as they're running, and you could see it in color with the broadcast on YouTube, and it's one of the great races uh, ever run, and it's an amazing YouTube clip. They are running through traffic because there's people they have lapped now two and three times who are still on the track. Um and if this was like biathlon or cross country in the Olympics, like they make them get off the track because it makes for bad TV because you don't know like, wait, who's who's the person in first and who's the person in 87th who's like just in the picture because they're on the same track but behind. So they're literally running th- in traffic. The Tunisian guy throws a massive elbow to Billy Mills in the middle of a race. Just like, like sh- it's crazy. Like throws him like it would be a technical foul in the NBA. And they keep running and they're running through traffic. And finally, the Tunisian guy busts past the two uh the, the billy mills the american and ron clark the australian favorite and then as the line as they're running through traffic billy mills like comes out of nowhere somehow it's a, in a half hour race gets his head full of steam and beats them to the race and like l- you can see the tunisian guy's like mouth ajar as he gets beaten like who is this nobody who's beaten me and then billy mills never runs in the olympics again never does anything uh um on the field, he becomes like a famous person off the field, but never does anything before or after, but for one day, you know, wins the 10,000 meters, which the United States has still never won before or after. So he's my, uh, he's my flame out, Billy Mills. Tr- truly forgotten. Well, truly uh, forgotten. no, Olympics people, like a real Olympics fan would hear this, like, oh, yeah, that's like too obvious of a pick. But ah. the, the announcer goes so crazy, he goes like Gus Johnson crazy, but unlike uh, nowadays... The, he where it would be like celebrated on Twitter. He gets fired for like being too excited about Billy Mills winning. NBC fires the the announcer for like yelling. Uh, and yeah, he never never does anything again. So that's my pick, Billy Mills. All right, so my team is Billy Mills, Phil Plantier, Jim Carrey, John Jefferson, and Phil Ford. And what's your team? I don't know. I was deleting the guys from my list as I was. All right. Them. We'll put. What am I? My team. All right, Smokey. I had Smokey Joe uh-huh. Wood was my baseball yeah. player, right? Uh, Larry Brown and uh, and um, <laughs> and I and, and Ernie Eisenhower. Larry Eisenhower were my football players. Mm-hmm. Who else did I have? Um, my basketball player was Brandon Roy. Okay, very unknown. And my hockey player Ray Rice. Was, yeah, it was was Rick Martin and yeah, and Ray Rice and Rick Martin. Yeah. Right. So I think so. I, like we we didn't totally do different things, but I tried to have people who weren't super famous. Uh, the average person listening to this podcast would remember Jim Carrey, but maybe they hadn't thought about him in a few years. Um, but, like, Ray Rice and, and Brandon Roy were a little too famous, in my opinion, for this list. 
Okay. I mean, again, I, I thought Derek Rose is like the ideal example of a Sure, but yeah, no, but I, that would be a ridiculous example. Like someone who is still active in the NBA would be an insane example. I wish he wasn't active. Trust me. <laughs> I hope he plays 48 minutes. So uh, let's talk. Uh, fine. Let's talk NBA for a minute. Um, yeah. So did you see my, my tweets at four in the morning when I uh, came home? Oh, that's what you were working on. So I think. Yeah. Very exciting the, the next couple days in the West. My Conference. Spurs are almost certainly going to win tonight, but then they'll probably lose in New Orleans. Where do, what seed will that uh, give them? Well, I mean, there's so many. Movie well, wait, pieces, how about this? Right? Let me ask you a question because we have teams in, in very yeah. similar spots right now. The seed yeah. I want is the sixth seed. I'm I'm very certain that this that the Spurs would their best chance to win a series would be against Portland, who I I think I, I'm, I'm obviously assuming they're not going to have. Court. Why would you rather the six over the four or five? I think that Utah is is playing better than Portland right now. Okay, it's possible. I mean, we just smacked Portland, and they were trying. Yeah, Lillard I mean, yeah, played yeah, the whole yeah, game. You, you won the season series against Portland, whereas Utah beat you three. Yeah, out of four. we smacked Portland. Lillard was playing the whole game. McCollum was playing the whole game. Like. I, I, they don't have the interesting. The Timberwolves, the Timberwolves won the season series against every single team in the Western Conference playoff race, other than the Spurs, who they lost two to one. You got so, the, so what, the you t- must have lost every game against the East the whole season. That means, yeah, the Timberwolves had an uh, abysmal record against, which which doesn't make sense because the East is such garbage, man. But the Timberwolves struggled against the East. All now your year. last game is in um, Denver, right? That 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 could be make or break. no. It's at home. Oh, it's at home. It's at home. Are you nervous about that game, yeah, or you think they're going to beat Denver? Of course I'm nervous about that game. Okay, they're playing Memphis at home tonight. That has to be a win, although we lost at Memphis. I mean, we lost at home against Memphis just last week. I mean, week. Memphis is trying harder to lose than you are to win, so. Oh, they were. They they, they, they sat us all on the bench the whole game, and they they won that game. I mean, it was it was deeply embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Wolves if the wolves lose to Memphis at home again, um, But you don't deserve to will, If you uh, lose to Memphis in this race, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you, they don't deserve it already because they lost them last week at home. Although that, then Memphis went into Oklahoma City. Oh, no, it was at home, I think Memphis won. The, the annoying thing about this or is no, that Golden State and Houston are, are not close to each other, and they're not trying. So, like, it's the teams that the teams that have Golden State well, and well, Houston these last no, two weeks, Golden it's a massive State, yeah. schedule advantage. Well, no, Houston, yeah, well, Houston's not playing anybody right now. Golden State is playing Utah, though. So, that, yeah, that's a good win for Utah. Hopefully. I'm saying, but also it's like um, you have so three or four thing. games all year. Uh, per year against both those teams, and those are your like the games on your schedule. Like, oh, well, we're probably not going to win that, and then you magically win it because of this. It's a schedule win, yeah. and and you know. Well, Golden State has been bad for the last two sure. months, like since the All Star break. Honestly, they've been a five hundred team. Um, the int- so the way I have it predicted right now is I have um, Minnesota, New Orleans, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, a four way tie for the five, six, seven, eight seed. They'll all be forty seven, thirty five. We saw this a couple of years ago in the in the East where there were four teams. I think all at forty eight and thirty four. Like Charlotte was one, and Miami was one. And, that, and, it creates, and what what is yeah, it, what happens really then weird. through five? Do you know? Do you know the tiebreakers or no? Yeah. So, so the tiebreaker, if you have multiple teams, the tiebreaker is best win loss percentage among all those teams. So, if that was the case, Minnesota would be the five seed mm-hmm. because they have the best record, yeah. and then New Orleans and San Antonio were tied, but New Orleans won the head to head against San Antonio, so New Orleans would be the sixth mm-hmm. seed. San Antonio would be the seventh seed, and Oklahoma City would be the oh, eighth. So the Spurs seed. are actually going to try because I think the Spurs, if the Spurs could get the six by losing the last game, I think they would actually rest people. But I don't, I don't think they're. The, but the, there's no way they'll know that because simultaneously right. there's all these. Well, unless New Orleans going. loses yeah. the next game, then it's possible. But yeah, no, because you're also in a, again, you're also in a tiebreaker with with Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Denver. Right? If Denver wins their last two games, and Denver's in the playoffs, right? But then you guys aren't in. There's no. There's what, so. W- would yeah. you rather play? Um, if you have the seven or eight, would you rather play Houston or a Golden State round one? Of course, I would play Golden State. They don't have Curry. The, the Timberwolves have zero chance against Houston. I actually, I think, think I'd rather. I, 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 I think I'd rather play uh, Houston than Golden State Sands Curry. That's nuts. yeah, I think so. 
I mean, I think next week will probably be our NBA playoff preview. All right, so let's but save it. It sounds like, you, yeah, I mean, because I, I, I think the Rockets are winning it all. But for sure, if Curry's out, I don't think it's a question. I mean, the East is so bad. It's really upsetting. Uh, they should let they should let Golden State go to the East for, for this playoffs. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they should be reseeding forever. But that's It's crazy. Issue. It's really getting um, more crazy. You know, uh, I, was, I was talking to an older guy, not that old, but like a guy who was like, yeah, I was going, I... I was at the Rangers uh, Stanley Cup loss in whatever it was the early '80s. I'm like, oh, who they play? He's like the Canadians, and I had forgotten that they used to recede, you know, based without conferences in the NHL, so you could have the yeah. Canadians Rangers Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, w- what's best case scenario? Like, uh, like the the corpse of the Cavs getting swept by Houston or Golden State? Like, this is obviously the worst Cavs team. Yeah, LeBron could put up 40, 15, and 15 every game in the NBA Finals, and they'll still get swept. Yeah, and then some clown like uh, will we'll get like Andre Iguodala will get the MVP instead of him. Yeah, I, there's no there's no chance where uh, like I don't think there's a chance that the East, Eastern Conference team wins a game. Yeah, I mean Boston is obviously done without Kyrie. Toronto. I did think Boston with Kyrie would they obviously weren't going to win, but they could make every game competitive with Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, LeBron is still, because he's LeBron, it's still, if not competitive. I mean, I, I, I think Philly, like, would lose four close games. Like, Philly's not going to get blown out by those teams. But they're also In not the NBA Finals, you yeah. mean? Uh, well, that I would mean, be wild. Look, Come on, I, that, I, that, the truth is, there are so few, like, Toronto's not interesting to me. This is the same Toronto team a million times. They just, they happen to take advantage of a ridiculously weak conference. They're 19-11 they're against the West, that's fine, but that's not, a, you know, championship material. Uh, Philly, that that's the one story that could be interesting. I mean, if you want to see LeBron for the 800th time, that might be interesting to you. But like, well, I mean, yeah, I always want to see LeBron. Boston without their the two best players. Player Toronto, eh. Uh, like, and then I mean, that's I don't I don't even know like who else there could be. Like the Pacers. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the NBA until the Houston Golden State Western Conference Finals, there's not going to be a lot of drama in the NBA. Playoffs. I'm not even nervous. And, which, I, I don't want the Spurs to miss the playoffs. Like, I think it would be lame to miss a streak, but like. It, the Spurs are in a position where they've never been before where I know that they have 0% chance. Literally a 0% chance of, of winning the, the finals or even getting to the finals. And that's yeah. that's that weird Atlanta Hawks purgatory. That's not fun. Like, the individual games are fun, but there's not a lot of pressure. Like, I know... In, in, unless Kawhi comes back and is somehow healthy, but the odds of that at this point seem well, what's zero. What's happening with Kawhi? I mean, it's actually... So, in our NBA Survivor Pool, I was trying to figure out whether I should take San Antonio or Cleveland. Yeah. Everyone uh, was probably figuring today. that out today. Yeah, and what I was thinking about is, well, which one would I rather save for next season? And I thought, well, there's a chance that Cleveland LeBron leaves and Cleveland's completely worthless. Look, right, there's a very good chance that Cleveland's worthless next year. But even if Kawhi leaves, the Spurs are pickable. No, even without Kawhi, they're they're not trading him for nothing. Like, they they would rather keep... Do you you think you've seen the last Kawhi? No, do you know the contract the Spurs can give Kawhi in two months? It it literally, the last year of the contract that they can give him in June is $50 million for 2024. How is he turning that down? Yeah. They can literally make him the highest paid athlete in in American sports history. Well, by twenty twenty four, that well, sure. Yeah. But like the, the minute he signs it, like that, he has a record. Like yeah. he, it's it's a it's a two hundred seven million dollar contract for five years. I don't think the money is determinative with his conflict. With, I have no idea what his conflict with the Spurs is about. I don't Nobody think he really has a conflict. He there, literally but. cannot play because he's injured. He's injured. He's back in New York rehabbing. The only people who think that are you and and Kawhi. So. He all his teammates. I, mean, no, no, no. And his I, I think he think can play. Healthy. I think he's not willing to play because he's not 100. percent But I don't think he has an issue with the Spurs that will prevent him from being able to play long term. 
I think 100. Right, he will. I, I don't want. I don't want to see him leave. I think 100. It'll ruin basketball in San Antonio, but I, I th- unless they make a really yeah. good trade. Oh, boo hoo! You'll only yeah. <laughs> you're like our 30 year run will be over. How, how many championships? Yeah, five. That's really tough. I, I think I, I think he will be there opening day next season. I mean, he'll probably be injured again, but he'll be on the roster. <laughs> do you want to do? Do you want to say I? I like international basketball. I know nobody else cares, but uh, do you, they? They released the thirty-five guys who are going to be on the um, thirty who are on like the Olympic slash World World Cup team for this year. Do you want to hear the underwhelming okay. World Cup team that I I think they will probably have? Like, tell me if you think this team sure. can win an international championship. I have thirteen guys, so they yeah. bring twelve. I'm assuming that nobody who makes the finals, like you know, or even the conference finals will go because. That's generally been what happened, and plus, like LeBron is not going to Tokyo for the World Championships. Like, yeah, is Cat switching over, or is, or is he staying? Cat is not on the Cat and Embiid are not. Well, Embiid, I don't even think he's a citizen, but Cat and Embiid are not on on the the roster. So he yeah, you can't just list. Oh, Giannis. Okay, we can't just list good NBA players. <laughs> no, well, Embiid doesn't. Yeah, uh, the thing is, Embiid doesn't yeah. like he has he's connected to Cameroon, but he hasn't said he's playing for Cameroon. It's not like Evan okay. Fournier, where it's like, all right, he's French. Like, it's a guy who doesn't necessarily have a country. Hakeem, yeah, you know, Hakeem played for yeah. the U.S. Like, anybody can't. Tim Duncan played for the U.S. Yeah. Uh, here's who I have. Yeah. Harrison Barnes, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Drummond, Eric Gordon, Tobias Harris, C.J. McCollum, Chris Middleton, Oladipo, Kemba, Miles Turner, John Wall, who is a stretch, I think. And, uh, yeah, John Wall probably won't play. And DeAndre Jordan. I don't even know if that team can Miles Turner has been so bad this who? year. Who? DeAndre? God, well, I... No, oh, Miles yeah. well, Turner. So Who bad compared to like Brown people thought he was going to become a star. You traded uh, Antonio Brown. No, bad him. by any standard. He's been he's been he's been a bad player this year. Yeah. Well, there aren't a lot of good American big men, which is generally a problem. Yeah. And the ones who are have a fatal flaw, like Andre Drummond, who's just forty percent from the free throw line. Yeah. Yeah. No, Andre Drummond can't play internationally for sure. Well, he can Like he can absolutely dominate. He just like you'll foul him every time. Yeah. So I I was th- I was thinking actually. So um, I was in Israel for Passover and we were praying in a converted basketball court. And so I was like standing like for like throughout mm-hmm. prayers for a week in the uh, in the extended free throw line. you It was an outdoor synagogue. No, no. It was oh, indoors. indoors. Okay. In fine, fine. 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 Yeah. But and and I you know I'm sure this is a Wikipedia Wikipedia able answer. But like, why is it that we invent a game, we design the court, and then the rest of the world decides? No, no, the free throw line is not going to be straight. It's going to like ed- edge out or near the basket. Three like, point. Well, why did that happen? No, the free throw oh, line, okay. the paint. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And and why do we listen to them? Like, why do we agree to play by FIBA rules? Yeah, exactly. Like, why are they making up the rules for our game? It makes no yeah, sense. Yeah, it doesn't. I think. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Tim Duncan was right. FIBA sucks. <laughs> all right uh this podcast has been going in a lot of strange places but um uh we had a highlight we had some good jokes from your daughter we talked about some uh athletes that nobody else has ever heard of mm, yeah let us and, know if you uh, want more of this i mean we you. could also this was not that prepared like we could actually prepare and do things like this uh in the future yeah this is the first guestless podcast in like over a month also oh no we had your daughter as a guest what yeah ella ella Wienicker, we had a guest, guest. next time yeah. she's got to bring yeah. better featuring ella Wienicker. <laughs> <laughs> she she had told that once. She's like, I'm going to tell her on the podcast. I'm like, no, you're not. And then she literally Ella, burst Ella, in. We, we need a tight five. Tell her if she wants to go yeah, back on. Tight, tight five jokes. <laughs> and she literally like forgot. She's not welcome. Jokes. I laughed when she told those four jokes, but she she's told them like to the couch. And I even said like write yeah. them down if you're ever going to do them. And then she just burst into the room and decided to come in unprepared and do them. Yeah, and then there was another kid also. I think there's one of the other words. But let's. All right, keep talking. The one year wondering how to be time. Stepping walking in the candlelight.
It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.